This is Werewolf the Podcast. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please. Help. They're coming. Long ago, when the first seed of corruption was sown in the land of Russia, it was not the Garu who resisted it, but a powerful earth priestess called Baba Yaga. Her magic was linked to the land itself, and the land was Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga used her power to help her people live in harmony with the land and the spirits. Within the time of Baba Yaga's life, An invisible enemy came to Russia. It was a long time before this evil became known to the people, but he'd been preying upon them for a while. Baba Yaga went to confront this evil thing of the night, a vampire who drank the blood of the living. She was startled when she saw him, for he was truly hideous. Never before had she seen such ugliness, and she could not allow it to reside in Russia, her Russia. She hurled scorn at him, admonishing him for his foul looks and demanding that he leave her lands. Absimiliard, the first of the Nosferatu clan, was yet again spurned by mortals for his tragic face. He swore that this earth priestess, this Baba Yaga, would regret her remarks. He slunk away from her, letting her believe she had driven him off. The night of the next new moon, he came for her. She put up a great fight, but even her mightiest magic could not slow the night creature's march towards her. She called up the spirits of trees and streams, and the land cried with every step the vampire took. Her hands shone like the sun, burning his dead flesh. The wind protected her, though the vampire ripped trees from their roots to throw at her. The old one withered before her, and his anguished form burned. He screamed his rage, and still she did not let up, for she knew that if she released such a creature, she would die. The old one only smiled. Then, he was gone. From Rage Across Russia, the story of Baba Yaga. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Heath, and today we're going to be reviewing Rage Across Russia. Now, I've got my copy of Rage Across Russia in a larger book called Rage Across the World, Volume 1. This is a collection that came out a little bit later on that collected some of the earlier first edition books, and it's a great resource if you are interested in getting a copy of both Rage Across Russia and Cairns' Places of Power. Now, Cairns is a book we're going to be covering in a different podcast, but today we're going to focus on Rage Across Russia. First off, Rage Across Russia is one of the best, if not the best, crossover books created for The World of Darkness by White Wolf. Now, I know that is a really big sort of statement to make, 
and certainly that's my opinion. But that said, from the very beginning story to the characters presented to the epic plot to the way connections are woven through the different game lines of Mage, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, and a few other side quests, as it were, here. Uh, There's so many great items presented in this book, it's hard to it's hard to know where to start. But the first thing that I'll start with is that the story, the opening story, is for once incredibly engaging. It's based on an older fairy tale myth cultural story from Russia. And because of that, I think it's interesting to see the slight adjustments made to make it focus on a werewolf individual, a person that's a werewolf, particularly your Silverfang, instead of just being the type of traditional story that it was. And I think the way it's done is very clever. So by the numbers, this book came out in 1993, and it was written by George Neal and David Key, with some additional material by Bill Bridges, Aziel Burton, Nicole Clauser, Renee Palmer, David, Sh- uh, David Schusterman, and Jeff Watkins. The art in this is by Jeff Ravner, Dan Smith, Joshua Gabriel Timbrook, Richard King Ferguson, and Chris DiNardo. And some maps by Brian Bloom, and a few other folks involved in the different typesetting and logo and all of that sort of stuff. This is, like I said before, this is a fantastic book. It's a little over 120 pages. It's about 126, 128, if I remember right. And it's really well laid out. Unlike Rage Across the Amazon, that kind of jumped all over the place, or Dark Alliance Vancouver, which also kind of danced around the place a little bit, Rage Across Russia was actually really effective at figuring out what the best layout for this type of story would be. So the introduction includes some information about Uh, what Russia is like today, what this book is going to be about, what the themes and the types of stories that you're going to run in this particular location are going to be. It talks about wolves, it talks about Garrow in particular, and as an introduction, it gives you everything you'd want to just be able to wet your whistle and go, oh, this is the type of thing that I'm going to be able to do with this book. And I think it does so 10 out of 10, very, very well. It's got history, obviously. Chapter 1 is history, and it weaves human history and detailed human history in with werewolf history in a way that doesn't overwhelm one way or the other. It's just enough of both. There's just enough clever sort of weaving in of werewolf uh, involvement to human affairs that you're like, okay, I could see that. That's something that um, that I think makes a lot of sense. And from there, you know, it creates an interesting and intriguing sort of story. It goes all the way from prehistoric Russia all the way up to the Communist Revolution and then actually provides a timeline from 1848 all the way up to 1993 where, again, the game is set. You've got a timeline of World War II and Russia's involvement with that. You've got links in with, uh, with some of the cosmonauts and some of the space race that's going on. We learn a lot about Russia during the Soviet Union. We learn a, little, a lot about Russia right after the end 
of the Soviet Union when this is set. And 1993 is definitely an interesting era to set a Russia game in. It's definitely an interesting time to set a werewolf game because this was a period of great change and great turmoil for Russia. You know, the fall of the Soviet Union was not something that people really were sure would have a long-term positive effect. And obviously we know that today with the rise of Vladimir Putin, that Russia has gone in a different direction where people might have thought it was going in 1993 or even 95, 96, when I remember starting to learn about where Russia was going, people were thinking, oh, it's becoming more democratic, it's becoming more open. And that's maybe not exactly the case of where Russia is today. Now, this is not a Russia (laughs) podcast, so I'm not going to dive too deeply into that um, or into the politics of that, but I can tell you that you could easily take every single element of this book and update it today and not enough would have changed for it to have hurt the story at all. The basic conceit is that Baba Yaga is a older vampire. She actually was a mage that was embraced by the Nosferatu Antediluvian itself, and she rules Russia, and she has dropped what they call the Shadow Curtain upon Russia. And this Shadow Curtain, much like the Iron Curtain, creates a barrier, but this actually creates a supernatural barrier where vampires, werewolves, and other supernaturals that come into Russia are stuck in Russia. And from a story standpoint, that creates a ton of tension. It creates a lot of interesting elements. But that's, we're jumping actually ahead a little bit. Um, There's a section on geography which talks about Russian geography in a really, really effective way. You get a few different steps, which I think are all interesting. There's some engaging material here. There's information on the umbrascape of Russia, which is helpful. Now, this book actually came out after the first edition Umbra book, so some of the elements of the Umbra had actually been fleshed out a little bit more than they had in some of the earlier books, and it's helpful to note that I'm probably recording this out of order from my review of the first edition Umbra book, just because this was the order that I was deciding to do the review of the books. So we're going to be talking about that. I'm going to be going back and going over it because there were a lot of releases right around the same time that kind of overlapped, maybe came out a little bit sooner or later. We talked about in the last podcast. Chapter three is the tribes of the moon. And obviously it focuses on the silver fangs, bone nars, glass walkers, get a Fenris, as well as shadow lords, black furies, and even some Bactena and Wendigo. It's helpful to note that those are all the major, um, those are the major werewolf tribes that are present here, as well as some Ratkin and some Korax that are mentioned, but not given any statistics for those particular changing breeds, who are mentioned for the first time in the um, in the Player's Guide, the Werewolf Player's Guide, which again is a book that we are recording out of order, but they're mentioned in here if you wanted to use both those books together to really add some depth to Russia, you could do so here very, very easily. That said, I would say this is the weakest section of the book only because it's weird. Some of these NPCs are fine, they're interesting, but they don't particularly grab me. You know, there's two to three for most of the different tribes, 
And I think overall they're interesting. Maybe the most interesting one to me is Nikolai Predatelsky, who is a Silver Fang. He's a Hamid Silver Fang, a rune. I think he's an interesting character, but he doesn't scream, oh yes, I want to use you in a game. Um, it's interesting to note that from a ethnic standpoint, they don't shy away from the fact that Russia is a multi-ethnic country, and there are stargazers in here that are connected to the uh, Mongolian people, or the they could be you know the Uyghur people that are present in Russian territory as well. I think that's interesting. You could also get into some of the Turkic peoples that call uh, southern, southeastern Russia home as well. There's tons of interesting stuff that you could bring in any tribe into Russia and have it make sense. I think that's interesting. The end of this segment talks about the Sibirak. This is interesting because the Sibirak are a hybrid bloodline of silver fangs and wendigo. And to my knowledge, this is the first time they are mentioned. And there's really not a lot here. There's four, five-ish paragraphs of information on them. But you can tell that there's some interesting connections between the silver fangs and the wendigo here. What does that mean? What does it mean for both of those tribes? And how do they see these Sibirak who are, you know, supposedly descended from both of those tribes? There's a good storybook there, and I think that's interesting. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want. Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. Uh, chapter 4 is Enemies. You get some information on Pentex, of course. You get some information on the Black Spiral Dancers. And you get some silliness in here. Mir was a space station that Russia had uh, that actually is no longer up in space. But in this book, Mir is a black spiral dancer hive. Now, that's ridiculous. There's no way a hive would make any sense going into space. But if you wanted to play with space, you've got a way to do so through that, through the Black Spiral Dancers and their hive on Mir. I don't know why you'd go there, <laughs> but you could. But then you get into the Shmi. The Shmi are dragons. They're literal dragons that have the ability to change into human form for most of them. And this is a good connection between, potentially between mage and werewolf. And the Shmi, who I'm not going to give too, too much away on, but I can tell you they are one of the most uh, compelling, interesting, powerful, and destructive enemies that I've ever seen in a White Wolf book that I would actually say I want to run a game using at least one of these, if not all of these. And I think Ileana, 
who is probably my favorite of the Shmi. I don't know, because I will change my opinion every time I read this. But for now, the serpent that's roughly 65 feet long, her scales, the colors of rainbow and sparkle and light, who happens to be the lore keeper and knows where the Nosferatu antediluvian sleeps. That's just an interesting sort of story hook for me. Now, for those of you that aren't vampire players, you're probably a little bit like, okay, so you're tossing around some vampire terms. I don't know what an antediluvian is. I don't know who Absimiliard is. Well, suffice it to say, one of the most powerful vampire NPCs potentially out there. And Baba Yaga is his childer, is his childer and she's just as powerful. And we're going to be reading uh, a small segment of the story of Baba Yaga from this book at the beginning of this podcast. So you will have heard that by now. Baba Yaga used to be a mage, like I mentioned before, got embraced and still had connections to her powers to some degree as a mage after being embraced. And she's terrifying. She's actually one of the few NPCs in a White Wolf book that I've walked away from and gone, holy cow, that is on the page scary and in a game even more potentially terrifying and she has several different armies that are her armies of the night that she uses to control Russia so she has the Zmi who are one of the armies and then she has the army of the void and which are actual demons and demons at this point don't have their own splat they're not demon the fallen demons necessarily yet but that said, you could make them Demon the Fallen Demons if you wanted to fairly easily. There's a potential that High Level Games is going to be writing up some Demon the Fallen Demons for our Beckett's Jihad Diary um, folios, which are coming out. So if that's something you're interested in, that will be coming out at some point in the future because those are mentioned in that, uh, in that particular book. That's a segue. <laughs> There's also... Tons of information on some interesting vampire characters here. There's also a Talon of the Worm that Baba Yaga has supposedly made a deal with. And this Talon of the Worm is itself a creature, and it's also an item, and it's also this story hook that you can dig into and run if you want to. It's interesting to note, if you are a vampire fan, that Durga Sin, who is a character that's present in the Giovanni Chronicles and the Transylvania Chronicles, is also present in this book. And if you want to, you can utilize those stories to really make this deeper. You don't have to as well. Chapter 5 is a plot hook chapter. It's called Problems and Plots. And as a type of chapter, doing that and giving you ways to you know, create stories in this setting, it is perfect. This is the way I want all of my story hook segments to be. I want all of these sections to not just give me, this is how everything should run from A to Z because linear stories stink, but this gives you just enough hooks, just enough springboards to figure out how to build these elements into a story that your players are going to be uh, enticed by, interested in, and really dig into and enjoy. And there's everything you can think of presented here. The other thing is that I appreciate here, there's actually a couple of mini essays by the authors here at the end that look at this book and say, okay, this is the book you're holding in your hand. 
these are the different ways things can go. Okay, so that has been our review of Rage Across Russia. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is a 10 out of 10 book for me. Uh, this is probably the best first edition um, first edition werewolf book out there. There might be a couple of other ones that are just as good or that are potentially better, but for me, Rage Across Russia is the pinnacle of werewolf books. And obviously, as I get into the revised books, I might change my mind. I might say that again. But right now, if there was a single book in the early books that I would say you must go out and buy, it is Rage Across Russia. It is a very good story. It's something I would really recommend every storyteller utilize at some point. So I'm your host, Josh Heath. This has been Werewolf the Podcast. I appreciate comments, feedback uh, all the time. So please shoot me an email or send me a message through the various ways that you are seeing this podcast. 